my earlier yearnings were for transcendence, and now I see that 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 essential consciousness in embodiment. So I appreciate and enjoy the embodiment. I have no need for it to be here and not be here, but to the degree that it is an operation, I love it. What's up, everybody? I'm Joe Longo. This is the Inspired Creativity Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Today, I'm talking with David Newman, chant artist, musician, author, teacher, guide. He's been a a big part in my evolution as a human, we can say. David opened up Yoga on Main in the Philadelphia area, which is where a good friend of mine, Amy Angelo, drug me probably in 2002 to try a yoga class that I did not enjoy. And then a couple weeks or a couple months later, I really don't remember, a Kundalini instructor showed up and Amy again took me to go try this fun, interesting practice of Kundalini yoga. And that absolutely changed everything in my life. I remember sitting in that class and Diana Vitarelli was the teacher and she said, this is a fun class. It's a silly class. We practice with our eyes closed. If you're gonna laugh, laugh. If you're gonna cry, cry. And this music is fun and sing-songy. So if you wanna sing, sing. And I absolutely love to sing. And as soon as she said that, I felt like I was just in this amazing, fun space where I can really let go because I knew our eyes were closed. And I didn't have that idea of anyone would see what I was doing because I didn't know what I was doing. And then she made us rub our hands together in prayer pose, just, you know, creating some heat and creating some energy. And then we pulled our hands apart and just kind of played with that energy. And this was before class even started. And that totally blew my mind because that was the first time in my life that I really connected to the idea of us being energy and that we create energy. We are energy. Energy is all around us. And then class started. And then after class, we came out of Shavasana. We sang the sunshine song and I looked at Amy and I was like, I don't know where I am right now. I feel like I'm on another planet. I was like, I love this. And I was sucked, er, sucked in every Monday following I was back in that Kundalini class and just everything evolved from there. And it was a wave of ups and downs and in and outs of, of the world. But this yoga center that David started was the starting path for me to become who I am today. So I'm forever grateful for that space. I'm forever grateful for Amy taking me to those classes and I'm just so thankful that I had the opportunity to sit down with David and talk about his journey from where he came from, opening up a yoga center and teaching yoga to then really diving into music, which he's loved his whole life, and how synchronicities and paying attention to the universe and the signs led him down this path to where he is today, traveling the world singing and chanting the names of God and helping other people become chant artists and really just raising the vibration on this beautiful planet of ours. So this is a really fun, sweet conversation with David. 
But before we dive into the conversation, really quick, if you want to practice Kundalini Yoga with me, you can every Wednesday night at Yoga Brain in East Falls from 6 to 7 p.m. On November 8th, I am at Harmony Yoga in Blakesley, Pennsylvania, which is in the Pocono Mountains, doing a two-hour Creatively Manifesting Your Life workshop, which is a lot of fun. If you are in Northeast PA, come on out, move your body, connect with your breath, raise the vibration with us, and really start getting in touch with what it is that you want to do with this precious life. On December 13th, that's another Friday the 13th, I'm teaching a new workshop at Yoga Brain in East Falls called Your Heart is a Magnet. And this is all about heart openers and really just allowing our big, beautiful hearts to open up, to turn it into that magnet that it already is, to start really attracting into our life all of the goodness the universe has for us. That's Friday, December 13th at Yoga Brain in East Falls. I'm also doing life coaching, transformational coaching, manifestation coaching, if you want to get that woo-woo. Um, and everything is on a sliding scale. So if you've been interested in diving deep into your life and really looking at what you want to do with this precious life, I'm doing free hour discovery call sessions so we can see if we would be a good fit to work with one another. So if you're interested in setting up a discovery call, send me a message at joe at inspirecreatemanifest.com to say, hey, I'd like to take you up on that offer for a discovery call and maybe we will work together. I am looking to bring on a couple more people to, to move forward in this realm. I'm really enjoying the work that I'm doing with the people that I'm working with. It's really exciting to see their growth and to see where they're where they've come from and where they're going. I, I I'm very thankful for this process that I can help people in this way. I'm also doing free slash donation based meditations in my house on Tuesday nights from 7:30 to uh, about nine o'clock because we tend to talk and have some tea after the meditation. So if you're interested in meditating. On a Tuesday night in the Philadelphia area, send me a message, let me know you want to come, and I will give you all the info. Now I will be quiet and we will jump into this episode with David Newman. Be sure to check out David Newman at davidnewmanmusic.com and on all the socials. He will also be in Philadelphia on November 23rd performing with Yvette Ohm, another amazing Kirtan artist. So please come on out raise the vibration with us and enjoy the episode what's up everybody i'm joe longo this is the inspired creativity podcast thank you so much for tuning in today today i'm here with an old friend david newman david is a kirtan musician artist an author for 11 albums yeah that's hard to believe right <laughs> when I, I i went on to, to to your website earlier and i was like wow 11 yeah from 2003 i believe yeah, was, was the first, first or 2002 maybe it was 2003 yeah and that's like really impressive that's a lot of albums absolutely and not a lot of time <laughs> You know, when that wave of grace and inspiration comes, you know, you, you run with it. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, just grateful to be a part of, of where it's been. Right. It's and you started out as a lawyer. Did you, were you actually ever a lawyer or did, it, did that even stop 
before it started. Sure. I let's We're going see. way back. Back in <laughs> 1992, which gives gives away a little something about me. Um, I took the bar exam uh, in August and then in October I opened a yoga center in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. So um, the only real law job that I had was um, after my second year of law school summertime law job uh-huh. and then the rest has all been karmic law right yeah. so you went from teaching owning yoga on main one of the first if not the first studios in, in philadelphia there was some other yoga going on but not really in the way we look at it yoga center so mm-hmm. it was sort of the first you know in that in that genre so to speak right and it's i have such a, a sweet connection to yoga on main because it's where i took my first yoga class i remember um, it's where I found Kundalini yoga and really where I did my Kundalini training and really like got introduced to all of this. And at the time, uh, I say it a lot. I hated it. I thought it was so <laughs> crazy. Um, my girlfriend, then wife, now ex-wife, Amy, you know, introduced me to all of it. And I was like, dude, this is some crazy, some crazy stuff happening. And now I look back and I'm like, oh, thank God for that place. And I joke and I say, it turned me from a typical jock bro dude into a kind, loving, caring man. Yes. And I'm so happy. Another transformation (laughs) on the planet. (laughs) What the world needs now, right? Right, right. So from, uh, have you always been a musician? Since I was 13. Well, you know, I played some other instruments when I was uh, younger, but 13 is when I got my first guitar, mm-hmm. and that's when I started to really uh, write songs and to explore my creativity through a musical instrument. Mm-hmm. And before that, it was just you know learning classical music on the piano, a little on the violin, but mm-hmm. it was really getting that guitar that changed everything for me. And then you move into yoga. You're teaching yoga. Right. How did the kirtan and chanting the the beautiful names of God right. pop into pop into your reality. I've had a few twist of turns uh, in in this lifetime, a handful of incarnations. But as I was teaching yoga, um, I had put down my guitar for some time. Certainly during law school, I didn't play much, and I started playing guitar and started to write some songs that uh, were were more spiritually themed. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I was exposed to kirtan in various ways, and it just being somebody. Who who had a spiritual life and loved yoga and loved meditation and loved music when I became exposed and aware of this ancient practice that essentially was musical meditation mm-hmm. you know it brought all of my different uh, paths together and then I just um, you know started uh, taking the mantras and writing uh, original melodies mm-hmm. and exploring that combination of, of ancient ancient mantras with a more contemporary music style just for my own joy mm-hmm. and then it just started to unfold for me in terms of recording and getting invitations and then traveling and then becoming what I call a, a a gypsy at the age of 40. Right, yeah. right, because you really then just took off. It's like, I'm out. I'm on the I'm on the road. I, re- <laughs> I remember this one moment. You know, I, I was telling somebody this the other day because um, I really enjoy listening to NPR now, and I'm mm-hmm. aware of all the different shows. But back in, I think it was like 2005 or something, I received an email from somebody from uh, an NPR show called All Things Considered mm-hmm. asking if they could review my, this was my second album, which was called Lotus Feed, A Kirtan Revolution, uh-huh. if they could review uh, my album on a show called 
all things considered, which I had no idea what it was. Uh-huh. And, um, and, and I did that interview and the review came out and suddenly I just started receiving, you know, just hundreds of orders on my website. Wow. And then people would call me from, you know, across the country say, Hey, I, I heard your album on the radio. And, um, you know, it was just an incredible gift from the universe and I had no idea. And that was kind of the start of things really taking off for me. I teach a lot about and I talk a lot about like manifesting and creating the life that you want. Mm-hmm. Did you have this in mind when you when you started? I want to go on the road. I want to do this. Was it an intention that you set? I, I, I knew one thing. Well, I knew a couple things. One that I loved the medium. I loved uh, making music. I love uh, sharing music. Um, I was deeply inspired by learning about these mantras and the effect that they had on me and on other people. So I was just devoted to uh, having it as a practice mm-hmm. and sharing it with others. And so it just sort of evolved and had its own uh, its own momentum, and, and I followed that wave. And it was it was a surprise to me that it took off the way it did, and that the opportunities availed themselves to uh, share my music in so many contexts. So I would say that um, I was open to it, I enjoyed it, and when the universe spoke, I listened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's a partnership. That's a big sign from the universe when NPR calls and it is. And I find I find. <laughs> that life is that way you know it's like you put something out there and then the universe can respond to it in a myriad of ways one Mm -hmm. is with lack of interest and and to the opposite extreme just a tremendous amount of really wanting to be a part of that right right it's beautiful um so you have a new single out the new song was written by you and your nephew. Yeah, he's 25. Yeah, and John, John, Jonathan Newman. Jonathan Newman, yeah. and um, the song's called "Loved Win- Love Wins." Love wins, right? And so, and the proceeds are going for to, towards kind kids, kids in need, kids of, in need defense. of defense. Yeah, it was. A, it's an important topic for me, so mm-hmm. I wanted to make yeah. a love offering in that way. And so, did your nephew come to you and say, "Hey, I got this"? How did this? How did the uh, song come to two, be? Two things happened at the same time. I was at a place uh, called Omega Institute, mm-hmm. and I, I met a guy there named Ari Melber, who has a news show, and he was telling me about an interview he did with with uh, George Clinton from from. Mm-hmm. Uh, Parliament Funkadelic. Uh-huh. The question he asked him was, "How do you stay funky?" And <laughs> George Clinton's answer was, um, "You, you, you listen to the music that your children like." that you don't, matter of fact, you have disdain for it, and you listen to it over and over again until you like it. Hmm. That's how you stay funky. So just at the time I heard that, my nephew had sent me this sort of funky track, um, but I actually liked it right off the bat, but mm-hmm. it was very different than stylistically than what I do. Um, and I had had these lyrics, uh, which were, uh, when love wins, nobody loses, love wins over all the abuses, love wins, no more excuses, love wins when everybody chooses is love just lyrics mm-hmm. and my nephew didn't send me this instrumental track for that song he just wanted me to sh- he just wanted to share his creativity with me uh-huh. so he sent me a SoundCloud link and I clicked on it and as soon as I heard his track uh, the whole song came to me oh wow yeah and then I just sat down and wrote the verses and uh, and then I called him and I said hey let's go in the studio we rearranged it a little bit added guitar added bass I did vocals my friend Brenda McMorrow sang BVs on it and we 
just had this cool track that that's, it just has a real positive message and um, it was you know a real family affair um, recording it and producing it with my nephew mm-hmm. that's beautiful I really enjoy it I'll also put a link to that in the, in the show notes for everyone to check yeah, the, out and the video too and, came out you know I the, the director is actually um, lives uh, in Nepal and she's a lovely person and it was really nice putting the imagery together with mm-hmm. her yeah I really liked it because it 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 you know it is a little bit of a different feel yeah than than your stuff, um, but I really as soon as I like as soon as I hit play I'm like oh I like this oh thanks like man. right 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 from the get go I appreciate it and uh, you know I had a version of it that had some chanting mm-hmm. um, and then I had a shorter version that was just the English and I just thought it'd be really nice to just to put it out there as the English song mm-hmm. and uh, you know and and, and let people enjoy it who don't necessarily gravitate toward chanting. I've been sort of, you know, as the years have passed, I've been sort of dancing between those two worlds of mm-hmm. you know, conscious, sacred, positive lyric music in English and also Kirtan mantras as well. And I go back and forth. You know? Yeah. And then it's nice just to kind of bring them all all together. Yeah. Anyway, and when I play well. live, that's the, they're, they're all weaved together. Mm-hmm. And that song, Love Wins, has a chant that I play with it live. Nice. Yeah. Um, what, what chant are you singing in there? Radesha. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. So with, the, you know, the chanting and the mantra, was that just part of your yoga? Like, did it just, was it there? Or did, who introduced you to the, the mantra world? How did it come into your being? Yeah, it was an evolution. I mean, the first time I became aware of mantra was my when I was um, 12 years old. My back in the 1970s, TM or transcendental meditation was mm-hmm. was all the rage, and my parents, who weren't quite into this kind of stuff, um, took me and my brother to learn and get initiated in TM. Oh wow! And so, um, and you receive your own secret mantra. They whispered into your ear, and then when you meditate, you say the mantra, but not out loud. So that was mm-hmm. the first time I became aware of Sanskrit vibration was Mm -hmm. and and I started meditating um, you know as as a young kid 20 minutes a day twice a day wow yeah yeah. so it's been a practice really it's been around for a long time pretty much but it, it forever that's what it feels like but the kirtan part which is you know the more externalized uh you know, singing singing of mantras with other mm-hmm. people um i was during law school i was living in new york city and i was working uh at a new age bookshop on the upper west side and the woman i work with i had a guru in south fallsburg new york named guru mai mm-hmm. and she said i'm going up to see my guru this weekend would you like to come and so i went with her and back Back in the, um, let's see, that was around 2000, I guess. Uh, no, no, it wasn't. When, when was, uh, whoop, it was <laughs> 1990. It was about, <laughs> like, what century are we in? What decade are we in? <laughs> Somewhere back there. Yeah, it was around 1991, to be precise. Mm-hmm. So she invited me to go see her guru. And back at that time, Guru Mai, part of the city yoga path, was just had exploded. So the ashram was huge. It was this big auditorium with heated floors and there were a thousand people there to see Guru Mai. Wow. And she walked in the room as that many people were just chanting together. I still remember the mantra was Kali Durga Namonama and I just started swaying and losing myself and expanding into the hole and I thought what is this? Mm. And that was my first exposure to the I would say the intoxication of Kirtan. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was wow. that. Mm-hmm. It is very intoxicating. I uh, highly suggest, if you're not familiar, 
please go check it out. I'm just going to jump right to this because I think it kind of goes with it. Um, if you're familiar with Jason Silva, Jason Silva was just exposed to Kirtan through you. Right right where we're sitting now. And, <laughs> yeah. and then he put a little video out about it in the, the typical Jason Silva way with his just mind-bending words. Um, and I think... I, I think he, I think the term he used was a heart orgasm. Yes, was a that heart, a heart a heart <laughs> orgasm? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's that's really that's really what it what it is. And the thing that I really enjoy about Jason is like his joy with everything and his brain, you know. But like when he was talking about it, you can just feel that heart orgasm happening for him as he was explaining it. Yes, I witnessed it. <laughs> <laughs> For whatever it's worth. <laughs> oh, that's that's amazing. So so beautiful to see it. You know, to see it happen. And I look look back from when this all came into my world in like the early two thousands and totally, you know, thinking that this is weird. This is like really far out there. And am I doing something wrong? Because I was raised born again Christian. So it was like, right. oh, it's like, am I going to go to hell for this? It's the See? devil going to get in. Exactly. <laughs> right, right. You know? And more thinking like if I told my mom I had this like mystical experience, is she really going to understand? Sure. You know, and now over the years, I think she kind of gets it. You get it, mom. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and then... I remember going to Kirtans and sitting there and kind of like being uncomfortable, but enjoying it, but almost not allowing myself to enjoy sure. it because I was still like breaking through the, the bro molds, <laughs> it, you know, and, and coming into it. And now it's just like losing myself yeah. in it and, you know, connecting with it through the, the Kundalini tradition where it's like almost every Kundalini meditation will have like a 31 minute mantra in there and it's just like you are on another planet yeah um which is kind of what we were talking about earlier so as i've developed my meditation practice and i'm I'm really you know diving deeper into it there are times that i'm walking around i'm like is this really happening am i really on planet earth or where am i and even back in the day i would think like what does david feel like Mm. being on the road doing this night after night after night and not only doing it for like two to three hours every night i'm sure you're also practicing right and doing it and having so much of that energy Mm -hmm. come back to you sure like were your times that you just felt like you're not even on the on the planet (laughs) (laughs) like right now yeah (laughs) um you know i also train People have a program called Kirtan College. Mm -hmm. And when you are what's called a Kirtanwala, and that is somebody that's facilitating this practice for others, it is a a unique set of of characteristics or gifts that you bring to the table. And one is the capacity to simultaneously expand into the oneness, or as you say, onto another planet, Mm -hmm. and at the same time be deeply grounded and rooted in your body. Because I remember... Um, my very first year of doing this work, I was um, in, not Santa Barbara, I was in Palm Springs, and a man came up to me after the kirtan, and I thought it was a wonderful kirtan. And he said to me, you know, I noticed that you went on a real journey do- during the kirtan. And I looked at him and smiled, and I said, yeah, you're right, I did. And he said, I wish you would have taken us with you. 
Oh. And I remember in that moment, my heart just dropped into my stomach like I just hadn't done my job. That's how I felt. And um, so over the years, it was negotiating, developing the balance of just really expanding into that that sense of uh, the impersonal or the absence of the personal and at the same time staying rooted so that I'm aware of the room, I'm aware of what other people are experiencing. And so if you ask me, you know, it's effect of all that chanting, what has it done? I would say when I was younger, I would, you know, sort of, I was, I aspired toward transcendence mm-hmm. and now it's just an appreciation for embodiment. Mm-hmm. So the capacity to not have to go anywhere, to not have to dissolve, to, to see that that dissolution is actually happening within my embodiment. And, and as I've gotten older, I've just, um, I've just enjoyed a deeper appreciation for the human experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is kind of a surprise to me. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I find like in my Kundalini classes, like when we do these, you know, 15 minute meditations, I'll be up there chanting with them as well. But there is also a part of me that's like kind of peeking out, making sure everyone's okay, looking at the timer. So it's like, I'm kind of like in both worlds mm-hmm. as well. And I think we're always in both worlds. We're living in that timeless world, right? And we're like, okay, we're meeting here at twelve thirty. Mm-hmm. You know, we're you know, and there there is just so much beauty when those two come together. Yeah, know? yeah. A couple of weeks ago, um, our mutual friend Kate Brenton called, I was, and I was meditating, and I had my phone on Do Not Disturb. And a couple of weeks prior, Kate was calling, and I didn't feel like talking to anyone, so I put her in the like her call could get through uh-huh. through the do not yes, disturb and right. I forgot to take her out <laughs> of that space so my phone was on do not disturb I was meditating Kate calls and we're talking I literally had to stop and say is this really happening <laughs> right are we really having a conversation or am I still in my meditation because <laughs> right. I really can't tell what's real and those what. lines get a little blurred right between you know that that sort of it's like sometimes you say did I did I dream that or did I, that actually happen right yeah. right it's interesting this really interesting space that and I'm, I mean I've been doing this since the early 2000s but I think as I said earlier from letting go of the marijuana and then being clear like Mm -hmm. actually really being clear um that it's it has created this like oh lots of synchronicities are now happening and i feel like i'm more aware and more present Mm -hmm. to everything so the work that i'm doing on my mat or on my meditation cushion is now transcending into reality as well yeah and all the sweet things are happening because like that fog is gone right and i can be like oh right you're the person i was supposed to meet you're exactly who i was supposed to bump into today and this is exactly where i'm supposed to be but i'm able to see it now because you are aware and present yes yeah and i'm not saying you can't smoke marijuana and be present myself my own experience i went too far one direction without the, the proper balance. So I very much no agree. no judgment on anyone out there that loves the herb. Sure. <laughs> I, yeah, it I has guess. its time and place for everyone, I suppose. Well said. Yeah. Um, so what else do you have going on in 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 this universe, <laughs> in this current Earth plane that we're in? <laughs> yes. Uh, 
Continued travels, um, heading to New Hampshire this weekend, and uh, in November I'm playing in Philadelphia on November 23rd with a, another wonderful uh, mantra artist named Yvette Ohm. Mm-hmm. Then I go to Toronto uh, in, when do oh, I go to Toronto first. I'm doing a double bill with Brendan McMorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really enjoying collaborations these days. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're playing for the 20th anniversary of a yoga school in Toronto um, nice. in mid-November. Um, I'll be in New York City in December, one of my favorite places, and that's Integral Yoga Institute in the West Village. Mm-hmm. Then every December, I am at Kripalu Institute for New Year's with my dear friend Sean Johnson and the Wild Lotus Band, and mm-hmm. we have a, a program called Bhakti Bliss, ah. and we bring in New Year's every year. I think this is year 10, and nice. it's truly, uh, we all look forward to it all year long. Mm-hmm. I also recorded a song with another uh, ensemble called Katie Wise and the Bhakti Explosion. They're out of Boulder. Mm-hmm. I had written a song called uh, Love Heals All Wounds, and they contacted me and said, because they knew I hadn't recorded it, hey, would you like to do it together? So I uh, went to Boulder and recorded it, and we filmed a video, and that's going to be coming out in the coming months. A, a, a meaningful song for me. Yeah, nice. Yeah, and so just lots, you know, and then India, uh-huh. you know, do a retreat every year with uh, Shanta which is Benji and Heather Wertheimer. Mm-hmm. So I keep busy, you know. Yeah. It, and uh, yeah. It's interesting that you um, bring up a lot of collaborations. Yeah. I've recently found this podcast that I'm absolutely slightly obsessed with called Soberish. Great, because I always look for good podcasts. And um, the host, her name's Jessa Reed. She's a ex- sober-ish. Sober-ish. Yes. She's an ex-meth head. Okay. Ex-born again Christian comedian, um, but really. Wow, that's pretty amazing. She had a near-death experience in 2000 and saw all of these, like, got all of this information. Explaining what she saw in these near, like, in her near-death experience and like, like these downloads that yeah. that that she got, and one of them is like, as we ascend, as consciousness rises, she's like, we're coming into this space where it is more collaboration like we are like I don't want to just raise the vibration of the planet alone I'm going to bring other people in and actually do these things with groups of people and collaborate and really raise it up so it's interesting to hear you say like you're doing all of these collaborations without even probably realizing it's just like it's the time where yeah I just look and every yeah so many things I'm doing are with others and you know I feel it's like a puzzle we're all pieces Mm -hmm. and and it brings something to us when we can collaborate and receive and learn from the gifts that someone else has Mm -hmm. and I I enjoy that yeah and I'm seeing it all around it's really a lovely space I think we're in a really fun time as that awakening reveals itself i i you know jerry garcia said you know fun is underrated and um you know it is it's never a dull moment and to, to be in a conscious relationship to the unfolding drama of life not for the sake of drama mm-hmm. but to just um you know be be in the experience of of life itself right yeah yeah and it's um it is an adventure mm-hmm. and you never know what's around the bend yeah, exactly you know, p- people who are struggling I, I know sometimes i say at the risk of being cliche you know my be- best advice that i can always offer is just to be present be here now mm-hmm. because we just we really don't know when i look back at my life and i see all the places that it's gone i could have never ventured into um predicting them so you know i figure why start now 
tying this all in to to yoga Amen and Bethala. Mm-hmm. Um, Bethala was a uh, I don't even know how to describe Bethala. Uh, Vedic astrologer, <laughs> cosmic critter. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of my first readings with her, she she first said she was like, "You're never going to believe what you're doing when you're 40." Right. And that kind of like is when this like what, massive. What, when you shift. turn 40, you'll know. Yeah, right, Joe. <laughs> well, right when I turn 40. Um, we've got like another hundred years till then. Um, you know, and for the last four years, like I re- and she was like, "I'm not telling you anything. Like I'm just going to say you're not going to really believe it." And right. when I first turned 40, it sucked. Like I was heartbroken. I was homeless in a way. <laughs> and I was like, really? Is this what she was talking about? And then it's like once I let that go and I just really started being me, like owning everything, like, oh, wow, I think this is what she was talking about. And it just keeps getting more yummy and yeah. delicious. Juicier. Yeah. Delicious. I, I can totally relate with you. Yeah. You know, and like sitting here having this conversation about like looking back on your your career so far and just how it has like it really 11 albums in not a lot of years is a lot of of creativity and a lot of goodness that you're putting out into the universe yeah you know it's an amazing thing when when grace gives you that gift it doesn't feel efforted and that's how i feel about just following your passions you know Mm -hmm. when when you do it it really you don't get this sense that i mean i'm not gonna lie there's effort involved obviously Mm -hmm. but it doesn't feel efforted like you're forcing you know or like you know i start out saying, well, I have to release an album every year and and amass a catalog of this much. You know, it didn't have that kind of desperation to it. I was just, you know, following the muse um, mm-hmm. to the best of my ability, and um, and and it comes. And and that that's just really just you know choosing your truth, tr- choosing your joy. And I really appreciate what you were just saying um, about how much you're enjoying your life. Um, and also when you asked me after all that singing, you know, where have I come to, um, the kind of yoga that Kirtan comes out of is, is a practice called bhakti yoga, which is really the yoga of love. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I often, when I share and facilitate, um, with others say that the litmus test for the success of bhakti yoga practice is, are you enjoying your life? Mm-hmm. It's really quite that simple. If you're enjoying your life, then you, your practice is getting somewhere because this this is a precious life and it has so much to offer for our evolution and there is a joy that's derived when you are just clear that you are growing mm-hmm. yeah There's a joy associated with that yes so when you're getting it right <laughs> no, right yeah. when oh, you're getting, getting it. it right so let, let's chat a little bit about your music and how that how the muse comes out do you yeah. uh, do you find that words come how do you when you're writing a song does it shift is it typically words come first and then a melody or melody something on a guitar piano or does it kind of jump around it really jumps around i've written on piano i've written on guitar I remember I was playing harmonica for a little bit and a song came out of that. Um, Sometimes I'll get some lyrics, like in the case of Love Wins. Um, Sometimes I'll I'll get a melody and I'll find lyrics for it. Sometimes it'll be a chord progression. Sometimes it'll be a groove. There have been instances three or four times where a song has come in my sleep state. Probably, you know, um, for me, one of the most important songs in my repertoire because it always engages the joy of, of the group is called Stay Strong. 
strong. Mm-hmm. And um, that came to me uh, in, a, in a dream. And I, I was uh, somewhere on the road and I woke up and uh, I went into the bathroom and sang it into my phone. And that was that. Wow. All I had to do was find some more lyrics for it, but it came to me in some other way. So um, it really all depends. But uh, creating for me is always an affirmation of the unseen worlds, especially when it comes in such a magical way. Mm-hmm. But when, when you're when you're part of that creative process, something isn't there yesterday and now it's here, you're aligned with a creator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always <laughs> find it like interesting because I try to explain that to people. I'm like, sometimes I don't know how to explain the things that I create. Like sure. it feels like my head is just kind of popping open <laughs> yeah. and someone is just pouring whatever creativity into it and i'm open to receive a description of as i've ever heard thank you for giving it keep keep on giving it to me and you and you too you look back on it and you go how the heck did that happen because it's a it's not of the mind i mean the mind may play a role but it's essentially not starting you know uh, uh sort of limited to your own conceptual reality it's you're opening to something greater than yourself mm-hmm. and so sometimes it, it even surprises you yeah yeah in so many ways it surprises me yeah. <laughs> i always feel if the universe wants something to come through you know it will find a willing recipient right yeah. right and it really is that beautiful like affirmation that we're, like we're all connected we're connected to each other we're connected to that source whatever you may want to call it if you're open to really receive it right and then when you take the opportunity to participate in that creative uh, um, uh, relationship and then you get to uh, hear that or see that people are inspired by what's come through you that that's an incredible gratification to know that you're in service to Mm -hmm. the you know the expansion and joy of other people right that's what makes it all tick yeah Yeah. so so beautiful which is why i probably you know sound like i'm floating it's just this space (laughs) you are (laughs) like recently jumped into and it's so i try to explain it to people i'm like there are times that i'll just get like flashes of Mm. things and i'm like what was that? Did I see that? <laughs> that a little shot of inspiration there? Fairies do uh, exist. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. yeah. It, it's interesting. <laughs> it's funny that you say that. I was in Italy a couple of years ago with my good friend Jennifer Pasteloff on one of her retreats. And there was a woman there from Switzerland. And we were doing photos and we were walking through the woods. And it was this beautiful, beautiful, like wooded area in Tuscany. And I'm having this, like, I can't believe I'm here. And all of a sudden, like, we go from normal conversation to she just drops and, like, gets really quiet and still. And I'm like, what's going on? And she's not saying anything. Okay. I'm like, okay, you're scaring me now. Like, right. I really don't know what's <laughs> happening. And she was like, it's okay. She was like, but there's fairies all around us. Wow. But I've never, like, experienced someone. And then we walked up a little bit. And we got to this spot where the trail just became a circle. And right in the middle of the circle, there were, like, 13 trees just growing together. Wow. And she was like, this is where they live. Wow. And I'm like, Wow, that is super. That's a long way from what did you call yourself, dude? Uh, uh, oh, bro, dude. <laughs> bro, dude. Bro, yeah. dude. Yeah, bro, that's that's not really bro, dude's reality. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. And that's happened so many times. We're like, wow, wow. Like, right. where am I? But it's so good. Uh, like, I had my camera and I'm like, I, 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 I can't take a picture of this. Right. Like, it was one of those, like, this has to be 
just here. I, I see people in kirtans when, when, when that moment of bliss just gets uncorked and they pull out their phones and try to get it. You know, you can't get a picture of it. It's, yeah, you can't. It's not of these eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, such a lovely feeling. Um, it is. Yeah, it's, you know, um, so much... Um, of what is veiled to us comes about as a result of maintaining, you know, that contraction that results from fear of the unknown. Mm-hmm. And so if you enter into life um, without that fear, and not just without the fear of the unknown, but also with the acknowledgement that, you know, you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one of the great epiphanies of my uh, spiritual evolution was that it's simply more fun to not know than it is to know. Because when you know, you're you're imposing a limitation upon every single life experience. Mm-hmm. When you step into something in not knowing and, and invite the mystery to reveal something new to you, 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 you're living in the magic and you're living in the, oh, I didn't, wasn't aware of that yesterday and now I'm aware of that today. And again, this is just speculation on my part, but that, that creative re, uh, um, uh, revelation to me is something that is just uh, infinite. Mm-hmm. In other words, it just keeps unfolding. You know? Right. And so there, you just let go of control and you allow yourself to be big enough to just keep letting it expand Mm -hmm. and ultimately for me the realization is that the container in and of itself is an illusion right so that's an inhibition to think that you are this individualized container as compared to all other individualized container that there is just this one consciousness Mm -hmm. and that you and i in space in between us although relatively is obviously through our senses is showing up is actually not what's really happening at the essence of things right yeah right because right. if we are just all that pure consciousness we're just there's no joe and there's no david right but yet it's i you know my my approach is it's fun to pretend right well yeah we <laughs> yeah, kind right. of need these things you have here to, yeah to kind of get around in this this not this. always but for now right and so let's let's exactly. enjoy, let's enjoy it let's be the best actors that we can be mm-hmm. and and you know when you go see a movie what makes an actor great is that it doesn't look like he or she is acting right you know so yeah. yeah. So speaking of that, I kind of feel like that, that may be a little bit about what your book is also about. That was it. <laughs> that was it. Right. Exactly. That was it. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's one of those things that I've struggled with for a long, a long time. And I think I'm just getting like to the realization of it. Because mm. um, for the longest time, I was like, oh, well, like when you hear people say nothing's real, mm. you're like, no, no, but this table is real. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like then wrapping your head around it. And then once, at least for me, getting to that spo- spot of actual understanding, mm. like, oh, right, nothing really is real. We're making all of this. Sure, we're this creating up, This is this. So then it really takes that, the limits away of like the Neville Goddard, like your imagination creates all of it. Sure. If you can let go of, yeah, this is just a table. Right. And let the imagination really go and then allow what you're imagining exactly. to take off. And then you can really do anything, anything. you want. Anything's possible. Right. You know, like, in, in, its, in its alignment. Mm-hmm. And for me, you know, my book was all about uh, uh, our, uh, our being honest with our own um, identity. Mm-hmm. Just 
being true to yourself. You know, you're, you're not anything that's happening in temporal reality because it's all changing. You know, the body that you had five years ago is not the body that you have now. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything is in a, is in a state of, of constant flux. The only thing that isn't in a state of constant flux is the, is the watcher, the creator, mm-hmm. you know, that which is, you know, at the essence of all this right you know so you reside there and then you see everything whether it's the table or the tea or the embodiment that's all arising you know in in this temporal time-bound experience Mm -hmm. Um, I celebrate it personally you know for me uh, like I said I my my earlier yearnings were for transcendence and now I see that 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 essential consciousness in embodiment so I appreciate and enjoy the embodiment I have no need for it to be here and not be here but to the degree that it is an operation I love it Mm -hmm. you know it's that it's that little dance of being completely committed to something and completely in appreciation and enjoyment of something and at the same time not being attached to it and you know early on in my spiritual path I I had fear of being attached to it so I maintain a kind of distance from it Mm -hmm. and that was the the yearning for transcendence was well if I get too attached to this body then I'm going to run into problems when it's not here anymore Mm -hmm. so it's just this complete deep dive into what is in the present moment in the world of duality and um, just having deep respect and appreciation for you know I always say so maybe this is a dream but I'd rather have a a wonderful dream than a nightmare that's that's my approach yeah that's beautiful yeah yeah as growing up um you know, from the, the tradition that I've come from, there is this idea of heaven and hell and like, you know, someplace you're going to go to. And then as I get more into this, I come to the realization, well, this is both right. heaven and hell. Absolutely. How, how are you going to play it out? Do you want it to be heaven? Because it can be heaven if you want it to be. Absolutely. And it can totally be hell. Well, hell is when you're seeing through a fearful lens. You right. Know, to me, you know, it's... That's the distinction. You you either choose and energize fear or you choose and energize love. Mm-hmm. And to me, when you're seeing through the lens of that unconditional love, um, appreciation and acknowledgement of, you know, everyone and respect, um, you, you live in a, in a, in a heaven. Mm-hmm. When you're living in a fear-based reality and in a place of judging and separation, then you're going to, I don't know if I would call it hell but you will suffer yeah that's at least been my experience Mm -hmm. same yeah same 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 (laughs) right wow so thank you thank you for this i really appreciate you know talking all the things and blame it on the tea blame it on the tea (laughs) we had some delicious tea um what kind of tea was it again this was puer um i'm i I call myself warm beverage baba because i like to share warm beverages with particularly with a little caffeine whether it's good coffee which i love i am a coffee geek you can see Mm -hmm. i have a coffee scale and everything and i love puer tea and i love um i i've been to india Several, on several occasions uh, sitting uh, in a cave with a hundred year old Baba and observing the way he makes chai mm-hmm. and so that's one of my I didn't have the time today because I have a few things going on and I'm leaving tomorrow so we went with Puer but I also love making chai as well um, 
for others. Awesome. Well, yeah. thank you. And don't feel bad about the chai because chai actually makes my belly hurt. Oh, it does. Yeah. So okay. this was perfect. Got Absolutely it. Okay. perfect. So Pu'er was the perfect choice. Nice. So everyone can find you, David Newman Music. Yep, that's it. On David all all the platforms. Yep. All right. I will link David. I will link you everywhere in the show notes. Please go follow if you're not following and check David out. If he comes to your town, come chant. Come have a a heart orgasm. In the words words of Jason and Philadelphia, November 23rd, the Grateful Gathering with Yvette Home. Yeah, Philadelphia Ethical Society down in Center City. Awesome. Thank you so much, brother. I really appreciate you. My joy. Thanks, Joe. Thanks. Namaste. Bye.